welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by HF Plus, with myself, Stephen Nussbaum. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, South Stan Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy-o for 2021. <laughs> it's Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much. What a brilliant introduction. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Happy New Year and welcome back. This is episode number 230. Thanks to everyone who tuned in and listened to our last show. That was episode, obviously, 229, which was the week before Christmas. This week... We've got three games to go through. It seems like forever since we played Cambridge. Uh, we're going to catch you up with all the news that you may have missed, although there wasn't really that much over the Christmas and festive period. But as always, and first off, we start off with the home of the 15% discount with a word from our sponsor. New Year, same sponsor. <laughs> so we are proudly, proudly sponsored by HF Plastering. Now an Essex-based plastering and rendering company they cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work, specialising in silicone colour render systems. And as the bearded legend just said, they are the kings, the undisputed kings of the 15% off offer for all Leighton Orient fans and staff. So you must have heard of these boys by now. And if you need any work doing for the best plastering and rendering prices around, you can visit their website at www.ajfplastering.co.uk. Or you can email the team at agefplastering at outlook.com. If you're on social media, so are Plastering now on Twitter, Instagram uh, and Facebook. You can find Adam on Twitter at BigAdsLOFC and on Facebook and Instagram, just search for AJF Plastering. So 15% off offer going strong into 2021. So if you need any work done, please give the boys a shout. Nicely done, Mr Nussbaum. One piece of AOB... Uh, for you, any other business this week? Wishing young listener Sophie Barnes a very happy 12th birthday. That was for Saturday the 2nd of January. We hear you're turning into rather a composed defender after, it says here, after years of watching the O's. I don't quite believe that that's, that's the truth. You must have been watching a much better team than Orient <laughs> defend. So good luck to you. Keep up the good work. I hope you go from strength to strength and hope that you had uh, a great birthday on Saturday. Orient certainly did their bit for you by winning uh, against Salford. So happy birthday, Sophie. Yeah, happy birthday, Sophie. So let's go and cover in the Christmas and New Year period that was. We are going to skip over the 21st to the 24th of December. Absolutely nothing to talk about as the excitement built towards the big day, which was obviously Cambridge United <laughs> away. Oh. I thought he was going to say Christmas Day. Mooney Friday, the 25th of December. Merry Christmas to you all. We hope you had a great Christmas or the best it could be given the circumstances. So we move on then to Boxing Day, the 26th of December. And around 9.20 in the morning, the club put out a statement saying that head coach Ross Embleton would and will observe a self-isolation period in accordance with gov governmental covid 19s guidelines having been in close contact with a person that has returned a positive test result. Ross Embleton will now self-isolate for a period of 10 days. This means the Leighton Orient management team will take charge for the O's trip to Cambridge, as well as the home games against Southend and Salford. The club will make no further comment at this stage. Yeah, so that was big news to wake up to on the day of a match as Cambridge United away 
approach and obviously we hope Ross is okay obviously we've seen him uh, since then on the club's Q&A so main event then, as we said was Cambridge United away we ran a Twitter poll earlier in the week to find out how you thought the O's would get on and after 166 votes in 24 hours you voted as follows with 25% of you thinking the match would end in the draw 35% of you thinking that Orient would lose the game but the majority 40% thinking that Orient would win and as always thank you for all of your votes yeah absolutely the team was announced at 2 o'clock with Vigaru in goal Ling, Coulson, Happy and Widdison your back four Cissé, Clay and McEnough in the middle and Brophy, Wilkinson and Johnson up top substitutes for this one were Sargent, Akinola, Dayton, Dennis JND, Satoru and Angol yeah, so that meant there was only one change from the previous week's fixture at home to Crawley as Connor Walkinson returned to the starting eleven in place of Leanne Gold, who dropped to the bench. For me, there were no surprises, really, when I saw that team. I was quietly confident. I did know, again, no Josh Wright, um, which probably tells you all you need to know about where he is in the pecking order at the moment of the squad. Yeah, no, I agree with you. No surprises for me there. You could probably add Jay, Jamie Turley to that Josh Wright category as well, not even in the in the match day squad. And really, we've also out of the match day squad. We've not seen Louis Dennis do much. JND's not been given a uh, a, a view in either recently. We had uh, quite a lot of um, tweets that came in after that squad was announced. We've got a couple here to read out. Oliver Melman said, "Not sure why we have about fifty thousand strikers or wingers on the bench." And Kipriano or Wright don't even make the bench. Yeah, decent point. I think it turned out that Kipriani was taking a knock. I think Lewis one five three three five four zero five. So good side, capable of beating anyone on their day. But not too sure why we have so many attackers and only one defender on the bench. I would have liked a youth player so they can gain experience. Or Josh Wright instead of Dayton or Angle. Yeah, and then we last one we had Alpha two underscore O underscore Mega said good selection with our best players in my opinion should do well. If not, then I guess we'll have to resign ourselves to mid-table finish this season. So we're going to briefly cover this game. I mean, it feels, like you said, Paul, it feels like an eternity ago. Yeah. Only eight days ago, which is nothing really uh, in the world of football. So we'll cover it briefly. So the match kicked off at the earlier time, 1pm. It was a cold, horrible boxing day afternoon. And we took a deserved lead in the 23rd minute through our fox in the box, Danny Johnson, after a cross which was drilled into the box by Joby McEnough. Cambridge keeper Burton spilled it into the path of DJ, who was following up. He reacted the quickest, put the ball in the back of the net, and he made it 1-0, which is the way the game stayed until the half-time whistle. I mean, that first half of football was pretty good. If anything, you came away from that first half thinking it should be more than 1-0, and we probably should have made our dominance count for more. Mm. Yeah, but there were no changes for the O's at half-time, and in the 55th minute, Cambridge equalised through Wes Houlihan as a neat passing move, saw him um, allowed the time and space inside our box, and his shot beat Lawrence Vigaru to make it 1-0. For me, I wrote a comment at the time, what on earth are our midfield and defence doing to allow him that sort of time and space? You know, he's a quality player, even at the age that he is. I think he's in his mid-30s now. And it seems to be a bit of a reoccurring thing that we're just standing back, standing off, allowing players to, uh, around us to, to do what they need to do to create an opportunity. And then they're punishing us for it. So I was very disappointed with that. Yeah, I think disappointing is the key word there. Houlihan 
years of experience. He's done it in, in the big league. Same as JB, really. Yeah. Too much time and space. Never going to miss from there. And it got worse just two minutes later. As Cambridge took the lead again, they allowed time and space in the box. And again, it was West Houlihan involved. He played a neat one-two uh, into the box. The ball came to the least top's marksman, Mullin, who shot past the rigour from just a few yards out to turn the game around and suddenly from being really comfortable at half time in the first half at 1-0 11 minutes later we're 2-1 down yeah groundhog goal for me so many players switching off it, I just wrote it's a joke Sunday league defending there I can't remember exactly who was at fault there but I think just as a collective you can't just allow people just to do that you know they're, they're a good side Cambridge they put together a decent side they're sitting in the playoffs at the moment um, just above us, um, you you can't allow people to do that. It's, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, very very far from a defensive point of view. I mean, Cisse's pointing, flapping his arms somewhere. Clay's yeah. not coming in the defence. We're all looking at the man who's three. Just a complete um, shambles of defending there. So we win two one down. Not much to talk about now until the seventy fifth minute as Yo's made a double change. It's Joe Widowson and Usise came off. And Lee Angle and Louis Dennis came on. Again, I think I've said this throughout the last couple of weeks. Angle, for me, if you're not going to play him as a centre forward, just don't play him. Because for me, he's not a left forward. Mm. He's not got the intelligence or the skill that Connor Wilkinson has. And we'll come on to Connor a bit later on in the podcast, who I think has been exceptional mm. the last couple of games on the right hand side and really understood what he has to do as a right forward. And when you push Angle up to left forward and you leave Brophy on the pitch, you're pushing Brophy back as a left back. So for me, I wasn't best pleased about that sub at that point, especially being behind in the match. Yeah, when you've got something that you need to, to play for. Uh, we'll move on then to the 78th minute. Ruel Satoru came on for the aforementioned Connor Wilkinson. And in the 85th minute, Jordan Maguire-Drew came on for Craig Clay. And despite playing five minutes of added time, there were no further chances to talk about Full-time whistle meant, meaning it was a Boxing Day defeat for the O's with Cambridge United coming from a goal down to win the game 2-1. Afterwards, Danny Sender spoke to Dave Victor and said, we need to be able to see games out. The first half, we go 1-0 up, and deservedly so, in my opinion. And then in the second half, we allow teams back into the game and it's an upward battle to try getting gas. That was back into a game that we should have never been fighting for. I must say, the manager made the decisions for the substitutes. The manager had a line into the stand, which meant Martin then was able to come down and feed some of the messages that were coming from the manager. He went on to say, we can talk about formations, players coming onto the pitch, but if we don't apply ourselves, whatever that is, the players on the side or the players on the pitch, then you don't win football matches. So he obviously sounded quite upset about that. And if you re- I'm reading between the lines there, obviously people weren't carrying out their instructions uh, to the full, I would imagine. But um, more of that can be seen on the club's YouTube channel. Obviously, I'm sure everybody's probably seen that by now. So we move on then. The league table at that point, that defeat saw us in 12th place, having played 20 games. We'd won eight, we'd drawn nine, we'd lost, sorry, drawn three, lost nine, with a goal difference of three and 27 points on the board. Um, Frustrated, I think, was probably the clear-cut word for me. They're bored of having to write reviews about the basic errors that we're making in defence. Obviously, this is written at the time uh, of the game rather than uh, you know doing it today. But suffice to say, a few of our squad are clearly non-league level and can't cope, so they'll be moved on in January. 
and the rest will probably be moved on in the summer. The, the mistakes that are being made aren't because of Ross or Danny or the staff, in my view. They're basic footballing errors, such as switching off and not scoring the few chances that we do create. So um, I didn't write that much more because I think I was too annoyed that the goals that we'd conceded were were poor from our perspective and players have to take responsibility and they have to do better. It's no good just keep saying we have to do better. You actually genuinely have to when it actually counts. I think we were both quite annoyed yeah. um, at this one, as were most of the fan base. So for me, I just, you know, I wrote Groundhog Day, same old, isn't it? It starts well in the first half, you get the goal, and after the goal, we kind of almost get a second, never comes off. And then the second half, it's all about throwing it away with the same ineffective substitutions for me that I wrote at the time, really kind of steaming off the back of another 2 1 defeat, which was the third one on the trot and how many times had we seen at this point where you go one up at half time and then we're talking about a 2-1 defeat in the second half where subs have come on um, and done nothing I mean I disagree with you in terms of responsibility you'd say all of them have to take responsibility so I think the staff have to take responsibility as well as the players because if you're making the same mistakes week in week out then it's the management and the staff and the coach's job to make sure that's not happening mm. but it has to be as a collective even though the players get the brunt of the frustrations I still wasn't happy with Ross or Danny or what I saw with ineffective substitutions in that game um, but everyone at that point I thought needed to take a look at themselves I mean this division is so open at this point and at Boxing Day and we're just having so many chances to make progress and we're throwing them away and it felt like South End which looked like a very easy game a couple of weeks ago suddenly now following this defeat had turned into like this pivotal pressurised horrible derby which is exactly what we want wanting it to be so yeah, yeah I, I, I was peeved full time on Boxing Day yeah, I take your point. I mean, the substitutions obviously sit wholly and solely with the staff and, and, and Ross as manager. But the switching off and allowing their players to run through—that's not that—that's got to be taken from a you know a more uh, specific level of of the players. So I think that you know, once they cross the white line, they're making misplaced passes, not scoring their chances, switching off when players are running off of them, people not telling that someone else, that you know, the man in front of them, that there's a there's a oppo player on their shoulder. That to me is all you know down to the to the in-game management. Um, but um, yeah, no, fair enough. There's a lot of frustration, and I think that's probably reflected in in a lot of the re, uh, a lot of the um, messages that we had that came into social our social media accounts, and we got a huge amount of feedback after this match. So again, thanks to everyone uh, who sent their views in, and we'll try and read out as many as we can. But just because we do it, really doesn't mean that we agree or disagree with them. We we'll start this week with. Joe Jessner, 16, who said five losses in the last six. That Newport result is really starting to look like a fluke. Nothing really changes from game to game anymore. Or in electrics, it's the same as most weeks. Dominate possession for one half, can't hold on to a lead, pressing soft goals, subs make no impact. Yes, again, it is getting boring. Richie J. Bourne said he feels so sorry for DJ. Does the work of two players. We go behind and just can't break teams down. Games beginning to repeat themselves. We keep hearing that games come thick and fast and we have time to put it right, but we don't need points in the next two games. Well, well, stay tuned, Richie J. Bourne. Yeah, you may be a happy man. So James and Rule create more in their weekly five minutes than the rest have in five matches. Yet they will both be warming the bench again come Tuesday. I'm actually starting to feel a bit sad seeing them sitting there 
every week watching this. Parksy1881 said 10 games have ended 2-1. Two O's wins and 8 losses. 17 results by the odd goal. 8 for the O's, 8 for the O's winning and 9 losses. Being in games on paper doesn't get us any points. The stats are very becoming very negative. Cissé is causing more problems for this team than anyone could have envisaged pre-season. Good tweet there with some good stats. Mm. Wilco, 300. So don't think we are a bad side. I don't think we are too far away. But we can't keep being on the wrong end of tight games. Ross needs to try something new, which he seems reluctant to do since the Colchester game. Rady Dave said, angry and bored, predictable, simply not good enough, lacking quality, fitness and passion, no value for money, change is needed, quick, or we will be looking over our shoulders before you know it. And in big capital letters said, wake up. I heart Rushmore said, hugely frustrating. We are a team that doesn't make it count on top, but will always need a second goal because we will have at least a 10-minute spell or we are not in the game at all. Leighton underscore Ear said, there is a problem at the club. If you look at the management, Ross, Sender, Harold and Brill, all nice guys, as are the, as the owners put it, but are they really the best people out there the club can afford for the roles they are in? None have prolonged Football League experience and it's showing. Bet are late in there. That's an absolutely shocking second half. Early in the season, we always looked like we could come back. But this was Groundhog Day of the previous two matches. Joby, DJ and Clay, the only ones who came out with any credit. What's happened to Cissé? Dreadful. The final word this week goes to Masters underscore James Dew, who said, I think there are legitimate questions to be asked of staff and players. Losing is part of football, but to continually lose matches in such a fashion and not learn from previous mistake points to a far deeper problem. This is where the coaching experience is key and we don't have it. I should point out that I mean management experience when I talk about coaching. The coaching team has plenty of playing experience, but when it comes to actual management, it's not there. I've no problem with a young coaching team, but this is when you need experience. So lots and lots of tweets came into at Foreign Outlook. So thanks to everyone who sent their tweets in. I think there was a real kind of outpouring after this match of maybe, you know, a lack of experience was costing us. But this was eight days ago. Mm. Things will get better. So we won't focus too much on that one. So we obviously run the Design Cadbury Prediction League. So I update you on that. Design Cadbury, specialising company branding, advertising, print, digital and logo design and as Aljeff Plastering Design Cadbury also offer all O's fans and staff 15% off so if you're interested you can find James on social media, Design Cadbury are on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Design Cadbury or if you're not on social media and you're interested you can email James now at hello at jamescadbury.com Absolutely so well done to Orion 0546640, John Ban 6305473, Spenno 011, Wadsey, Steve Chaplin 4, Jeff Cole 18, Rob MCC 68, Nick underscore Clark 99, who all correctly predicted 2 1, so they get all three points. But a super well done, and it still impresses me that people do this. Yeah. Brad 1 Malloy, Dan Alton 2590, who both correctly predicted the score 2-1 and also Danny Johnson to get uh, to, to get the goal so they get four points we'll do a prediction league top of the table roundup at the end of this show 
well done there, Mr. Levy. So we're going to skip over Sunday the 27th and Monday the 28th of December as there was nothing to talk about. So let's go forward in to Tuesday 29th of December, which is the birthday of many of the friends of the Outlook podcast. Happy birthday, Myers, and happy birthday to Neil Swatlick, who are both our friends, but both don't listen. So main event, <laughs> the South End United at home in the big local derby. The team was announced at 6pm with Lawrence Vigoru in goal. Sam Link, Tunji Akinola, Dan Happy and James Brophy at the back with Usise, great play, Joby McEnough in midfield, Leanne Gold, Danny Johnson and Connor Wilkinson up top and on the bench we had Sam Sargent, Joe Winnowson, Josh Coulson, Hector Kiprianu, JMD, James Dayton and Mr. Ruel Sotiri. Nicely done there. Ross made two changes to the side from Boxing Day as in came Tunji Akinola and Leanne Gold replaced Joe, Joe Winnowson and Josh Coulson, who took their place on the bench. And the O's welcome back ex-Orient youth player Jason Dimitriou, who's currently one of the more senior players in the South End team. And for me, at the time of writing this, I don't understand why Brophy is at left-back with Widdison on the bench. I appreciate that the belief is that the attacking threat and him being able to go on these meandering long runs down the wing and overlapping and all of that, but I'm yet to be convinced of that. Cissé better have a good game today, otherwise Hector is wasted on the bench. And why is Coulson on the bench? It'd be interesting to see how Akinola does and what a brilliant thing hindsight is. Well, this is the beauty that we don't rig the podcast and we always tell it how we feel about it. At the time, at yeah. The time, regardless of the result. I mean, I was discussing before, um, earlier in the week, that I thought actually Coulson's had a better season than Happy up until this point. So I was confused why Coulson had dropped and Happy hadn't. Um, but it was interesting to see Akinola back. And I wasn't happy. Like you, I was asking more questions than what I thought I would be. And I still wasn't happy that Brophy was playing as a left-back and Angle up top. But we had a lot of tweets coming to us at Orient Outlook. Run and ref with GC. said, I pray we perform well and get the three points no matter how. We cannot lose this one Willow Gaffer said glad Akinola is playing as he felt he was unfairly undropped he was unfairly dropped moving Brophy to left back is okay if we have lots of possession but I'd rather we got someone up with DJ from the start not feeling confident which says it all really hope they prove me wrong yeah, this true. said Brophy should not play left back. How many times for God's sake? Also, if Hector is fit, he has to come in for Cissé. Pleased to see Tunji come in. I mean, yeah, I mean Tunji Akinola had done nothing wrong. Fair to say, fairly well in his previous mm. kind of spell, and kind of got dropped and disappeared off the radar. Yeah. So it was kind of somewhat surprising that he ended up back in the squad without, or back in the starting eleven without any of us seeing it coming. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's good to see him back. And actually, I know we can talk about this now because obviously all the games have been played, but he's played two games and kept two clean sheets. So it's not half bad. Um, Kevlar, yeah, Kevlar P18 said, Dan Happy still getting a game. What on earth does Ross see in the guy? Coulson is unlucky as he's better out of the two. I would say that anyone who isn't in the squad today will either be sold or sent out on loan in January. I've never heard anyone have such a contrary opinion about Dan Happy. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel, I felt the same, not strongly, but I felt the same at that point 
about what I had seen. I thought, as I say, Coulson has had the better season so far at Happy and Coulson. I think Coulson's been more consistent. So let's get cracking in with the match, which was the last one of 2020. And it kicked off at 7pm with Yo's looking to get a win after three consecutive 2-1 defeats. And Southend arrived in form as they beat Colchester United on Boxing Day 2-0. And we're coming off the back of some fairly... Good results for a team who was so outside about two months ago at the bottom of the table. Yeah, they've signed some experienced pros like Greg Halford, for example, uh, recently as well. I think the uh, the chairman thought that you can't just do it on youth alone. You do need some experienced players in there. So I think he's gone and got a, fetched a couple of players in. And it was almost a perfect start for the O's in the third minute. Lawrence Vigarou played a sensational pass to Leanne Gole out on the right-hand side. His cross eventually came to Connor Wilkinson, who found space in the heart of the penalty box showed some neat footwork but placed it but his placed shot that beat Oxley in the south end goal was cleared off the line by Sam Hart can't help but think he, sh- he really should have scored there the oh, I think you're being harsh he does it for me he does everything right mm. great footwork gives the keeper the eyes sends the keeper the wrong way Arguably, if he puts his laces through it, he probably scores. And if it's Danny Johnson, he probably scores. But I thought I thought he was unlucky there, to be honest. But mm. yeah, I can see why you think he should have scored. Mm. But like you say, if he put his laces through it and just went for power, because it's not, he'd be unlucky to rose that. But yeah, just smash it in the back of the net rather than place it. But anyway, that didn't happen. Yeah, he went close again. Uh, this time with a curling effort in the tenth minute after some excellent play from Craig Clay. And Joby McEnough. The, ex- the build-up play there was excellent. And Connor was looking really lively uh, again in this one, really getting involved. And like I've said, like Connor is now, he seems to me to have learned how the right forward role plays. He knows where to position himself. He knows when to cut it. He knows when to take his man on. He knows when to make a pass. He, for me now, is that complete right forward. And obviously we'll come on to it later. Yeah. But he was looking really, really up for it. And... I was really impressed with what I'd, what I'd seen kind of in the early stages in this one. Yeah, and I also think, just to add to that, I think that the team had obviously done their scouting work on South End and uh, seen that their left-back, if, if they push Connor onto him, um, that he's probably going to buckle. And I think, again, if that is on target, that's a great goal. I mean, he's hit that first, so it's come into him. I think he's pretty much hit that first time and it's gone over the bar. Maybe... Maybe should have done a bit better in keeping it on target, um, but maybe that's maybe it's a bit harder than it actually looks. Um, so I won't give him you know too much grief about it. But that would have been an outstanding. That would have been a contender for goal of the season uh, had that have gone in. Wilkinson was at it again on the half hour mark after an excellent pass from Craig Clay split the South End defence wide open, but his shot was saved by Mark Oxley. For me, that's the one that I think he should have done better on. Out of the three chances, that one for me is the best opportunity. And again, for me, that's Danny Johnson. It's in the back of the net. I think he just needs to be more clinical in those situations, more obvious situations. But he didn't score there. And the rest of the half saw the O's enjoy a lot of possession, but creating few chances. But I think you had a special note about Akinola. Yeah, I did. I made a special point of saying that he'd done well. Um, very well since he'd come in considering he hadn't really played that much in the last few weeks and Wilkinson has looked very very lively he's given that left back as I just mentioned a real torrid time uh, but saying that you know neither keeper has had that much to do Oxley's probably been the slightly busier of the two I would say Akinola is 
very good at kind of ball, like bringing the ball forward and controlling the ball, playing it on the ground. That's probably where you could argue that Happy's stronger than Coulson in terms of playing the ball as opposed to defending, and probably the same um, with Akinola. For Akinola, I was having a really good game. I agree with you on that point. In the 44th minute, Southend had a half chance as a Dimitri free kick was aimed at Simeon Akinola for Southend, but he headed worldwide. Figure we had that. Always covered. Yeah, one minute of time was added on as the sides went in nil-nil at the break. Yeah, so no changes at half-time. Southend came out looking to get an early second-half goal. They looked a bit more up for it. They played with a bit more kind of urgency. Simeon Akinola had a shot deflected wide by Dan Happy very early on in the second half. Yeah, and in the 52nd minute, the ball was played out wide to Connor Wilkinson on the right, who drove towards goal and was fouled just outside the 18-yard box. <clears throat> Excuse me, the referee... Sent the South End defenders back a very generous 10 yards, I think it's fair to say. Maybe he's got big feet. Um, up, up stepped Joby Mack enough. I think uh, Connor and Joby were both standing over it, but I think Joby uh, used his veto as captain and said, I'm taking that. And his perfectly placed free kick flew into the back of the South End net, beating keeper Mark Oxley to send the O's 1 0 up. And I thought. <laughs> Yeah, the ball was de- definitely looked more than 10 yards. I'm pretty sure all of the South End side thought it was more than 10 yards. But Joby got the ball up and over and down well enough. So, you know, even if it's a couple of yards out, it's, it wouldn't have made much difference. It's one of those where if that's against us, we're absolutely spouting at the ref. But it's for us, so we're happy with it. Great free kick. Similar to his one against Bolton earlier uh, in the season. Shocking knee slide from Joby. I've got to be honest, 39 years old. You should be celebrating goals better than that, Joby. Oh, the knee terrible, slide. Dodgy knee terrible slide. knee slide. <laughs> terrible, shocking. But I'll let you off there for that great free kick. So one to up. Let's fast forward into the 65th minute. And Mackinough drove forward, was brought down around three or four yards outside the South End penalty area. Similar position to where he had scored from. Connor Walkinson took this one, but blazed it high and over. Yeah, I think we seem to be focusing on that Sam Hart at left back and Wilkinson and McEnough are giving him a really difficult time. We earned the corner that um, you know that unfortunately came to nothing but um, uh, just soon after that. But no, we seem to be really focusing on that Sam Hart guy. But in relation to that free kick, I think as Joby had taken it before, I think Joby perhaps should have taken it again. But uh, never mind, in the 77th minute, Connor Wilkinson deservedly doubled our lead with a sublime chip over keeper Mark Oxy from about, well, just under 20 yards out after being fed a superb ball by Joby McEnough, made it all but game over at 2-0. I think that's an absolutely brilliant goal, great composure, and his 10th goal of the campaign means he's in double figures now. Yeah, good goal. Took it well. Good assist from Joby. That's what yeah. we need to see kind of more from Connor. Good finish. Clinical finish. Um, at that point, you're like 2-0. Game done. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree. Um, 84th minute. Then first sub for the O's is Joby McInerney was replaced by Hector Kiprianu and Lee Anger was booked four minutes later in the 88th minute following and altercation. Started to see a lot of bad attitude from Lee late, late in this half. Not sure where this has come from. Maybe frustration. Um, I saw Jason Dimitriou as well giving it a bit of ag. But um, yeah, just perhaps not the, the nicer side of Lee Angle there. Four minutes of time were added on. And in the 91st minute, it was a second substitution for Orient as Danny Johnson was replaced by Ruel Satorio. And two minutes later, Clay was replaced by James Dayton. 
The referee brought the match to a close shortly after as we signed off 2020 with a win against our rivals as the O's got their first win in four and Southend were defeated for the first time in six matches as the O's ran out two nil winners. Danny Sender said post-match, there's no secret, we feel that we've we've performed in matches in patches in games and we all recognise that we needed to put two 45 minutes together and produce a performance like we did the fact that we've been able to do that and I know how special this game is to our supporters to get the win over Southend and put in a performance like that I really do hope the fans can now see where we're trying to take this group of players he finished off by saying I've spoken about consistency and we felt from the first minute to the last minute the players gave us everything we asked for so that win saw the O's move up to 10th in League 2. Just one point and goal difference off a playoff spot. So this point we play 21, 1-9, drawn 3, lost 9. A goal difference of plus 5 and 30 points. So bearded legend, what were your views on the South End game? Well, I thought it was a superb win. A much better 90-minute performance, as Danny Sender uh, said in his post-match. Everyone played well. They fought their own individual battles, didn't switch off at crucial moments. But my question is... Why is this a one-off? Why aren't we like this more regularly? We created chances against an informed team. Although they didn't create much at all, they were still, you know, off the back of five games without a loss. Special mention to Tunji Ekinola, who hasn't played much at all, looked very, very comfortable. Vigaru had barely anything to do. Clay McEnough were really busy and creative in the midfield, and Cissé did what he needed to do for once and hopefully we see a lot more of that from him. Wilkinson, real danger tonight, would love to see more of that from him. However, DJ and Angle were not as in the game as I'd have liked, so I'm not sure uh, how you address that balance. Um, but obviously, tactically, we'd seen where their weaknesses were and tried to exploit that. So I guess that was the sacrificial, they were the sacrificial lambs. In our regard, in, in that regard, there. Uh, and Brophy at left back, it worked tonight. Who'd have thought it? I mean, for me, I thought it was a good performance. I thought it was, it was patient and it had to be uh, at points, and we did what we had to do. Mm. I thought Connor Walkinson was immense, like I've spoken about. He's learned how to play that right forward role and plays it really well. Knows when to run, knows when to go, knows when to pass, knows when to shoot. And I think so much is going through their right hand side because we don't have a left player like that at the moment with the way the formation is being played I mean I'm still not sold on Brophy at left back and I don't think Angle was anywhere near left forward that he should be or that well he's not a left forward for me as I've kind of stated like after winning 2-0 there's no way I can really complain but I'd like to just say I do hope Southend stay up it's always nice to play Southend and beat them I think it'll be a shame if they go down I think we need more teams around us local teams around us I think Southend's always a good away day and it's always good to play them so yeah. I hope they stay up by the skin of their teeth and I ended up by saying it'll be interesting to see if Ross keeps the same team for Saturday against undoubtedly strong opposition and what would be a much tougher test but 2-0 no complaints for me in that one Fair enough Fair enough They are bottom of the league Southend with two games in hand over uh, over those around them so they, that could change um, so we again we had a lot of views come in after this and we're going to read some of them out and again just because we read them it doesn't mean we agree with them the Menace 1881 starts us off this week uh, for this game sorry and he, he said at last a 90 minute performance good team effort and Akinola was superb Connor's goal was what he does well finish when he hasn't got time to think does that remind you of any of our previous strikers? Moody <laughs> 
striker, Blue Apps. Had good performance against an informed team. Never looked anything other than composed. Mack enough with a goal and an assist. Man of the match for me. Even if the wall was so far away, it was in tier two. <laughs> Link and Akinola <laughs> also played well. Wilkinson was in good areas and finished his goal nicely. Essex Biz said, someone said at the start of the season we'd be 10th and 8 points off the player, uh, 8 points off the top of the table at, at the end of the year. Would you have taken it? Fair play to Ross. It's been far from perfect, but we're in the mix. Stick together, everyone. Happy New Year from the Macca household. Great tweet there from John. It was lovely to bump into John on off Debden Broadway by my house the other day. Mm. Lovely to see you, John. It's been far too long. Uh, Alan Reeves, too. So the game we should have won and did. Nothing more. Akinado at centre-back over Coulson is a massive improvement. However... Better teams will punish our slow play. South end press well, but not good enough to punish us. Salford will be very different. Pandemonium1881 said, Workman-like performance sprinkled with bits of magic. Consistent, no-nonsense approach in most areas of the pitch. Attacked down the right well and exploited their defensive frailties as well as picking up second balls in the middle third. Defended well when required. Man of the match for Matt was Wilco, Ling or Clay. Good points there about Sam Ling. He's kind of gone under the radar. He played quite well, I would say, again, in defence. As did Craig Clay. I think you alluded to Oos earlier. Oos had a very good game. And again, we've said it a few times, when Oos plays well, the team seems to play well yeah. as well. When Oos plays badly, the team plays badly. It was good to see Oos get involved. Clay was very, very workmanlike, which was which was great. So, yeah, good tweet there from Matt to point out those yeah. plays. Alan, AVF, 15. Mm. 02. So the win doesn't make what's great. Same as the lose doesn't mean the end. Would we have won by more if Brophy stayed on the left wing? Anger aggression is wasted out wide. Akinola dropped for no reason earlier. More clean sheets when he has played. It is a good win, but against a poor side. Chris Kane underscore 1992 said Wilkinson uh, could have had a hatful by half time alone. So glad to see him get on the score sheet. Solid defensive performance too. Making a change considering the soft goals conceded recently. If all players fit, same 11 for Salford on Saturday. And it's Chris, it's like you had a crystal ball. <laughs> Dave M1812 said, Not brilliant, but solid, efficient performance. Exactly what was needed at this time. We weren't really able to get DJ into the game, but it isn't a problem as we still scored two goals. I would continue with Akinola, but bring Willowson back against Salford. Yeah, Les LK52 gets the final word on this game. He says a top performance against a very poor side. Saturday versus Salford will tell us more about the side, but you can only beat what's in front of you. So well done to all. A good evening's work. Yeah, so thanks to everyone who tweeted us during, after or before the South End game. Those were all tweets that came into us at Orient Outlook Podcast. So it's time again for the Design Cabbie Prediction League update. And well done to John Band 6306573. You've got his second prediction right in a row at DE Ward underscore seven at Tony Adrian at Nina Barone 27 and at Pills the Dome and they all predicted 2-0 so they all got 3 points but a massive well done to Chris W underscore 1 David Loudow 17 Orient Fan TV and at Massey Sari who all predicted 2-0 and one scorer so get 4 points no one got the maximum 5 points from this game and a top of the prediction league table roundup will follow at the end the podcast. So then we move on then to Wednesday the 30th of December. Miles Judd joined National League side Barnet on an initial short-term deal with a view to extending the loan 
for the remainder of the season. And for me, there's no surprise there. He's been out with tight hamstrings for a while. No further mention of him by Ross or the club. So good luck to you, Miles. Hopefully this is a bit of a wake-up call for him. I'm interested to see how Miles gets on this in this spell, actually. Like, there's no doubt there's a player in there somewhere. I mean, that season we were relegated. He was just absolutely to 17 years old. But Barnett's a good move for him. He'll get first-team football there when he's not suspended. <laughs> uh, but hopefully, <laughs> excuse me, he gets off fit. You know, he just needs to run the games, get himself noticed again. Because I think if he can have a decent loan spell and, and get himself fit, then there's definitely potential that he could stay at the club. Given his age, if he has a good loan spell and can do well there, I think he could. He, he, I think there may there might be a small chance in the future for Orient if he can get himself in shape and get match fitness there. But he'll have to do well. I hear where you're coming from, and I do. I do like Miles. I think he's got a lot to offer. I just think that he's not really progressed much and he's obviously not worked his way into the thoughts of not just Ross, but managers that have gone before him, uh, that have come before Ross, um, have looked at him and thought that he's not necessarily where he needs to be given that he's at the stage of his career that he's at. I know he's still young and whatnot, um, but you know we've, we've brought in loan players from, you know, young loan players from other clubs to play ahead of him which kind of tells me that he's probably at the end of the road in terms of either patience or actually he's just not quite at the level that we need him to be at, which is a, which is a shame because I, I think that there is a good player in, in Miles. Um, so, yep, yeah, see how he gets on uh, later in the show, though, spoiler alert, you probably already know it. Um, late I mean, I will say there were lots of... We had a lot of opinions coming to us on Outlook that we haven't listed on here, but there was a lot. A lots of people were unhappy. Some didn't think it was a big deal. Some obviously think that the Sam Ling connection, which I don't think it plays any kind of part in it, playing right back, is there's something no. to do with it. But I just, think it's, I just think it's a massive opportunity now for Miles to really get himself some football and see where his future takes him. Yeah, I agree because Jordan Thomas has played at right back, Tunji Akinola's played at right back. You know, he's not the first. Uh, he's not Sam Ling isn't the only right back at the club he's played more frequently recently yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah Jamie Sturdy can play there if needed he can if needed although again I think he's probably one yeah. that's going to be out the door uh, late in the evening of the 30th the club announced that honorary president Barry Hearn is set to receive an OBE in the New Year's honour list for his services to sports so well done to Barry Hearn yeah well done Barry so let's move on it's a Thursday the 31st of December and Connor Wilkinson and Joby McEnough were named in the Skybet League 2 Team of the Week following their performance earlier against Southend so well done chaps lovely to see that absolutely also on the 31st the club announced on Tuesday the 5th of January they're going to be reviewing the calendar year of 2020 live on YouTube at 7pm uh, you'll be joining Nigel Travis Danny Macklin and Martin Ling and they are also inviting questions from supporters. I think you email Luke Lamborn in the media team to get your questions over. Yes, yeah, so let's move on. It's a Friday the 1st of January 2021. Wishing all my listeners and followers a very, very happy New Year's. Anything else to mention? New Year's Day, everyone just kind of chilling. Dunks, I guess. Yeah, Wait for the next game of football. Nursing hangovers, probably. Uh, Saturday, the 2nd of January. Happy 20th birthday to Loney Jordan Thomas. 
Yeah, so main event in Salford City at home. Before the game, we ran a Twitter poll as normal to find out how you thought the O's would get on. We had more votes uh, than the past couple of weeks, actually. We had 246 votes in under 24 hours for this one. And you voted as follows, with 27% of you thinking Orion would get the win, 36% thinking Orion would lose, and just taking the majority vote of 37% was you guys thinking that the match would end in a draw and as always thank you for all of your votes on our Twitter polls absolutely we are very grateful that people take the time to choose their selection so moving on then uh, to the team lined up um, Lawrence Vigoru in goal Ling Akinola Happy Brophy Cissé Clay McEnough Angle and uh, Johnson and Wilkinson were up top substitutes for this one were Sergeant Wooderson Coulson Kiprianu JMD Dayton and Satoriu yeah, that meant O's won change from the team who had beaten Southend United earlier in the week. For me, no surprises really given it's unchanged, but still not sure about Brophy at left back. And I'm definitely not sure about Angle at left forward. But we write these views down before the match, so I thought, I guess we will find out. Yeah, absolutely. I said it before, say it again. I like an unchanged team, although I do agree with you, Steve, about the Brophy conundrum but we'll see what uh, see how that pans out in just a second uh, we had a couple of tweets in on this PM31970 said don't change a winning team very simple yeah SR Barbas 1986 a good team but would have swapped Angle for JMD I mean that's not a bad shout there I know JMD's a left a right sided player maybe put him on the left we can Who play knows? with both yeah, he can I mean, kick with both feet can't he yeah, we had a lot of tweets, and most tweets were saying JMD for own goal or don't change a, a winning team. So thanks to everyone who tweeted. So yeah. after a minute's applause for O's fans who passed in 2020, that was a nice touch, actually. Um, so well done to the club for that. The first Orient match of 2021 kicked off at home to much fancied Salford City, who were unbeaten in five matches as Gary Neville made his debut appearance on Orient Live. Well done to the club for sorting that out. And Gary Neville's appearance is on the club's official YouTube channel. Gary Neville obviously has made a great career out of his punditry. And it was a good interview, actually. So well done to everyone. Well done to Ollie, because that couldn't have been an easy uh, interview, doing that outside in the freezing cold, interviewing someone who you probably see every week actually on the telly. So well done there to everyone. Yeah, who actually does that job for a, uh, you know, (laughs) that's his career, you know. Um, the first chance went to the visitors as Burgess shot from a tight angle on the right-hand side, but Lawrence Vigrou got down low to make the save and did well to hold on to the ball. Yeah, he had he spilled it, James Wilson's got a tap in there, so why don't to hold him onto yeah. the ball? The 15th minute, Salford really should have taken the lead as Wilson got into a good position down the left, crossed low and hard into the box with the goal gaping. Thomas Asante, who was running in, fired over from very, very, very very close <laughs> uh, it literally was on the goal line it's harder to miss than to score from a yard out but he somehow managed to do the harder bit on the 17th minute Connor Wilkinson did well to create a yard for himself and shot over from distance that was a great effort there again Connor looking very very dangerous what I will say about Thomas Asante though that ball was coming at him so fast it's really hard to control and as someone who scored an own goal down the end of football <laughs> can't really take the mick out of someone for doing that <laughs> So, let's get into the 31st minute. The O's took the lead. A lovely move, um, which I think might have gone under the radar. It's a lovely pass and move, but in the highlights, you only really see happy play it to Craig Clay, who controls the ball really well and passes it into Danny Johnson, who takes a touch, spins, 
does really well to shoot into the bottom corner from about 20 yards and he makes it 1-0 to get his 17th goal of the season. I mean, undoubtedly, that's a great finish and Johnson takes the plaudits for the finish because it was difficult against a very good League 2 goalkeeper. But when you watch it back and if you are able to watch it back on the extended highlights, the move, it's a very, very good passing move. It's a very good uh, football passage of play. Yes, we really passed that goal. around quite nicely. Possession football with a cutting edge to it, which is something I think we've lacked quite heavily recently. We've kept the ball, passed it around nicely, but never really been dangerous with it. And I think that just shows a slight turning point in, in, our, in our play where we're able to keep the ball, but then move it forward really quickly and be quite cutting with it. So, yeah, that was a good one there. 35 minutes low is booked for a challenge on Usise, who subsequently posted a picture of his ankle up saying the guy said he never touched him, but there's cuts on Usi's ankles that didn't look very nice. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah, that was good. turning into a good midfield battle there. Oost was having um, another good game. Talk about like nice football that you mentioned with Danny Johnson's goal. We've seen that a little bit from Orion. That Morecambe away goal was a thing of beauty. We're starting to score some really nice goals, just to uh, digress slightly. But I hope Oost's leg is OK. So let's fast forward into the 45th minute. And Wilson wriggled some space for Salford, but he shot right at Lawrence Vigoroux. Yeah, uh, James Wilson, ex-Manchester United uh, youth product as well. So they're not exactly short of talent in their squad. One minute of time was added uh, and played out as the O's went in 1-0 at the break. And we had uh, a tweet that came in from IM underscore Emo. said, decent first half. Put I'd put JMD on for Angle, who offers nothing. Yeah, so the second half kicked off with no subs for the O's. And four minutes into the second half, great chance for the O's to double the lead. Superb through ball from Craig Clay to Daddy Johnson, who did look offside, but clearly wasn't somehow. Um, took a good first touch, chipped the keeper from a very tight angle, just missed the target. That was a big chance. If that had gone in, we'd probably go on to win that, I reckon, 3-0, 4-0. I think that would have really put our heads up and put their heads down. But a big chance missed there. He was only fractions of inches wide, wasn't he, on that as yeah. well? It just hit the, I don't know what that piece of part of the goal is, but it's just caught it on the side. I thought he'd hit the post, but watching it back, he's not. He's really hit the side. That's such a shame. 51 minutes on the clock now. And from, uh, from a Salford corner, Lawrence Vigaru, superb his superb early throw to James Brophy gave... Brophy the time and space to drive forward into the Salford box pretty much from middle of our half his cross found the angle unmarked at the back post but his header was comfortably saved now I would defend the angle as a left forward and not being involved in matches all day long because I don't think that's his job at all however what is he 10 yards out if that if that straight at, straight at the keeper what a waste should have buried that really disappointing not to see the goal Bulge there, and I think Liango just needs a goal massively. I think if that's in pre season, he puts that in the back of the net without even thinking about it. But I think he's struggling at the moment. Really disappointing not to see him score that one. Yeah, I agree. It's hard to defend that because I've never, I've never played football at any particular level. But he really kind of Brophy's whipped that ball in, and and it just seemed to be like such like he's taken all the power out of out of that cross, um, and the keeper's made a really comfortable save. James Brophy went into the referee's book in the 61st minute after he deliberately handled the ball. <laughs> that was genius. I love the way he tried to say it wasn't a handball, but it's so yeah. blatantly it was. It's blatantly. Alamo was Judd. Yeah. 67th, minute. <laughs> 67th minute. Crucial block by Dan Happy as a cross came in from our left. Ball was headed back across goal. 
really well actually by Henderson the ball was bouncing out to Wilson from close range and you're thinking oh they're going to score it and somehow Happy managed to block Wilson's shot great defending there by Dan Happy Coulson's the one who normally has been blocking those so great to see Happy defend that well really well played Dan Happy yeah, seconds later though, Danny Johnson was played through and should have taken the shot first time as he tried to beat the defender. He then ended up losing out and I thought he was going to score that. I was literally on the edge of my seat thinking, shoot, and he, and he didn't. He tried to take it through the defender's legs, but the defender got the better of him. Yeah, 71st minute, Lawrence Bigger, who this time made an outstanding save after a good Zulfan move, saw the ball eventually worked out to Henderson on the left. He drove forward, great angle for a shot. Vigo stood up nicely, actually, done really well, saved it with his legs, and the chance was gone. Massive, massive save there. That's as good as a goal, really, because yeah. if that goes in, it's one all. Yeah, absolutely. The game was opening up, and Craig Clay played Danny Johnson through in the 72nd minute. He was tackled. Ball came out to Liango on the left, who overhit his cross, unfortunately. Nothing much to report now for the remainder of normal time. Salford looking to find a way back into the match, but we looked fairly comfortable. It was one of those matches where I wasn't thinking they're going to equalise here. I was thinking this could really go either way. The board went up and five minutes of time were added on. Yeah, um, it was the first Orient sub in the 90th minute as Royal Sotorio replaced uh, Danny Johnson. In the 93rd minute, Wilson had a thunderous effort at a tight angle which hit the side netting as the referee brought the match to a close seven minutes later as we won out. I'm not quite sure why it went on for an extra two minutes, maybe you know 30 seconds each for a sub, but don't get the extra minute after that. Um, he brought the match to a close and we won our first match and th three points of 2021 with a hard-fought 1-0 win over big money, high-flying Salford. So Danny Sander spoke to Dave Victor and said, we talked about having this togetherness within the group. It wasn't necessarily a focus on the tactical details. We give them lots of that. It was more, can we be together and can we run, fight for each other and can we compete for each other? I think that's come out today. We played a team that is in the bottom half of the division and a team that is in the top half of the division this week. And I said to them in there, it shouldn't make any difference. If we can do all of those things I've just spoken about, as in you give yourself a great chance. Absolutely. So the league table, that win sees us move up one place to ninth as we've now played 22. We're just one game shy of being halfway through the season. We've won 10 of our 22. We've drawn three, lost nine. We've got a goal difference of six with 33 points on the table. And for me, I wrote get in. Great win that came from an all-round performance, a great all-round performance from everyone. That's a second 90-minute performance in a week. Very, very pleased with that. We've won 1-0 against tough, tough side. We've got a clean sheet off the back of it. As I mentioned earlier, Tunji Akinola comes in, having not played for a while. He's been given a hard time in this game. They all have. They've really worked themselves into the ground. Um, you know, defending starts with the front. Starts at the front. Craig Clay, Joby McAuliffe were busy. They were industrious. They were creative. Cisse had a good game at stopping the Salford midfield and attack. Just exactly what you need and what you alluded to earlier, Steve. When he plays well, we play well. And when he doesn't, we don't. And that's because, as we've said in previous podcasts, he's the linchpin of the team. At that point of the pitch, if something doesn't work, going around him, then it's all going to collapse. So, very, very happy with that. And I think also, um, you know, we, we got a bit of luck on our side because had they have put that early chance away, um, 
it kind of puts us very, very heavily on the back foot. How we would have responded, I don't know. But, you know, take nothing away from everyone today. It was a hard-working performance. We've done the gritty stuff well. I've seen some excellent through balls. I've seen some really nice passages of play. We never looked overwhelmed. We looked composed a lot of the time. I find it really funny how Orient fans, the naysayers, shall we say, when we beat a team, everyone says how poor the opposition are. You know, I can understand people saying that about Southend because they're bottom of the league. Um, but uh, but against the top side like Salford, a side who are really, you know, they're, they're destined to be number one in the league this season, um, give us some credit. The fact that we've played to our strengths, the fact that we've nullified their strength, their, their threats and put their strengths on the back foot for once. I don't understand why people are so keen to say, you know, when we lose, it's all this one, that one and the other one's fault, but never give anyone credit when we do win. It's always the opposition were worse than us. I don't understand that mentality at all. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I just don't get it and I'm not really keen for anyone to explain it to me, uh, to be honest either. But I'm very, very happy. Two wins uh, in the week and we've, we've, we've played extremely well. That's two 90-minute performances. So hopefully there's a little bit of consistency starting to form. Hope so, my friend. Hope so. I think it was yeah, very good performance, like you said. It was comfortable, it was composed, it was confident, it was good movement, there was a good battle in there. You mentioned Oos has played very well in the last two games. I think Craig Clay's played very well in the last two games. I'd actually go as far as to say that's the happiest best performance of the season by a mile. Great finish by Danny Johnson. And it all clicked against good against a good team, I thought. And this proves we can go out and play a team above us again and mix it up with the best of them and get a good result and out-battle them and out-fight them uh, and get the points. But it's essential now that it's just maintained and it's followed up. The last thing I want to be doing now is speaking about a disappointing 2-1 away defeat to Carlisle next Saturday because we're on a good run of form now. The table was tight. Anything could happen in this season and we've got the squad to do it. So I was really pleased and like you said, two wins on the bounce, two good 90-minute performances. Akinola's come in and done very well. The defensive looked short. Vigor has made a save when he's had to. Johnson looked sharp. Wilkinson looks great on the right. So yeah, very very happy I will say well done to Danny Sender because that can't be easy as an assistant manager having to step up at such late notice not only for yesterday but during the kind of last week um, so well done to everyone involved but in particular Mr Sender so those were our views lots and lots of your views came into us at Oin Outlook yesterday at OC tweeted us at literally 4.51 about a second after the full time whistle went so what a fantastic result great battle some great defending brilliant saves by Bigaru massive three points over a good Salford side back into playoffs shows we can mix it with these type of sides and we must try to maintain our run high flying Carlisle that's true Stuart1973 said dug in deep against a good side to be fair you can't complain at that another clean sheet another home win hashtag boom Sunshine LOFC so the great battling performance from the O's everyone played their part and I thought Craig Clay had a fantastic game certainly a result and performance that will build confidence El Castaneto said we look solid and organised in and out of possession now midfield three has really made a difference Akinola doesn't put a foot wrong and long may it continue Good point there. Kevin Cowlitz is a great professional performance against Moneybag Salford. We deserve that. Each player made a difference. What a start to the year. Every time I think of Salford, I just think of the Cordy Bond singing on the pitch <laughs> with the brother at the full-time whistle yeah. after the victory. 
which we can't repeat on a family show. Stroud Greeno said massive three points, which I have to admit I didn't see coming today. Would have definitely taken a point. Thought everyone put in a really solid shift. Watson, 0 2 1 What a truly gutsy performance from the team as a whole. Craig Clay was phenomenal and deserves man of the match. Another clean sheet as well, which is testament to how hard the defence worked when our backs were against the wall in the second half. Stonemeister said great win and thoroughly enjoyable game to watch. Thought the team worked really hard and looked in control with a couple of last ditch blocks. Dogged win with Clay, standout player. Angle struggled out left and definitely an area that needs strengthening in the window. Molly Folly, 2019, says great win. It went our way though, but let's be honest about that. Salford wasteful in front of goal. Great goal by DJ. Strong performances from Wilkinson, Clay and Happy. Problems on the left. Angle clueless out wide. Brophy wasted at left back again. Can't fault the effort. Ben, I wonder. I wonder if James Brophy is still thinking about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I wonder. I wonder if he's got the answer yet. <laughs> ben D. Bullard said, hard work in performance. Clay and Tunji were superb. The boys have bounced back well after some indifferent results. All we can do is keep pushing on and see where it takes us. Good tweet. D underscore underscore Fets says, Akinola equals clean sheets. And where does a DJ? There is a way. Ice-veined assassin, that man. Here's to George Graham being our way to a playoff spot. Happy New Year. Yeah, I mean, that is a great goal. I mean, I didn't really give my too much of a view on uh, Danny Johnson's goal, but he's literally just turned and shot, hasn't he? That's just instinct when he hasn't got Very time to goal. think about it. Yeah. Leon Othan said, fair play to the management team. Recognised changes needed to be made after some disappointing results. Couldn't have been easy telling two senior players they are dropped and go against fans' wishes in putting Brophy in defence. And to be honest with you, Leon, I don't think the the, um, the staff or management look at what fans think a player should be playing to, to decide whether or not they should be there. Linda Perrett, 186. I think Cissé deserves some credit. Great team performance all round. And we looked very solid through the middle. Matty LOFC Evans said, for a team written off the last few games as being hopeless, we stand ninth, six points off top and three off the playoffs. Ross and the team deserve credit for the position we are in. We aren't out the, we aren't out the running, and today's performance proves we have a chance. So let's get behind the push. Lubert, 84. So Southend unbeaten and five. Salford unbeaten and five. Two games, six points, three good goals, and two clean sheets. Six home win out of seven. A Ross Embleton masterclass, a solid team performance. Big win. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Orient Meat Pie said, complete 90-minute performance against a really good side. Superb discipline and organisation for the whole game. Clay was immense, but it was a total team performance. Putting Akinola in late, lately has totally transformed the defence, who are excellent again. Orient underscore Ed says, a great three points. A bit lucky, yes, but also a great team performance. Akinola has defied his years. Happy was also good, especially with that block in the second half. And Clay was absolutely superb. Also, a couple of Brophy's interceptions also saved us. Good effort, lads. Final word this week goes to MS Orient, who said, Craig Clay, amazing. So was the team on a whole. Outstanding performance, outstanding result versus a very good Salford City side. Now we must build on this going forward and find the consistency. Onwards and upwards.
So let us know if you agree or disagree with any of the tweets that we read out in this episode. Those were all tweets that came into us at Orient Outlook. So if you have a Twitter account and want to tweet us, you can do so at Orient Outlook. You can email us if you're not on social media, Orient Outlook at Outlook.com. But if you're on Facebook, you can find us at Orient Outlook Podcast. And you can also find us on Instagram at Orient underscore Outlook underscore podcast. Absolutely. Design Cabby Prediction League update at London Gary W, at James O'Hagan, at Dear Stew, at Paul We underscore UK, and at Tony Adadiran again, correctly predicted 1 0. So you all get three points. Well done to you. Yeah, Lou Bear 84, Jeff Co 80, John McNobo, and Oxuch all predicted 1 0, and DJ to score. So took the maximum four points, meaning that the top of the Design Cabby League is getting very tight. Dan Alton, 2590, leads the way on 23 points, closely chased in second place on 20 points by David Landau, 17, and at Wadsey. And in third place, jointly on 17 points, we have John Band, 63065473, and O's fan. Basing. So we've got previous winners in second place and third place. So all to play for. And thank you for all of your predictions. Absolutely. Miles Judd made his debut yesterday for Lone Club Barnet. He got sent off on the 30-minute mark for a deliberate handball to prevent the ball from going in the back of the net, ironically, as the Bees lost 3-0 at home to Boreham Wood. And the penalty that was subsequently awarded was scored to contribute to that 3-0 home loss so I'm not sure that Tim Flowers is going to be particularly pleased that Miles had done that no probably not probably that's not pleased at his entire team I didn't know Tim Flowers was there until the other day he could move for Barnett that yeah. Sunday I think that's a, a big, big manager what he did for Solihull was, was pretty on a nothing budget was pretty remarkable yeah absolutely agree with you there so it'll be interesting to see how Miles gets on yeah, going forward. So yeah. Sunday, the 3rd of January, as we sit here and speak, a quiet day at the club with no news to talk about. So yeah, at this no point, ladies this game today. Yeah, no ladies game. I think now, I don't think there's one until further notice. So yeah. hopefully ladies will be back sooner rather than later. So it's a bit of the time now. We're going to spend five minutes talking about the January transfer window. New year, obviously lots of rumours, lots of expectations. Who will go? Who will come in? Lots of things out to see. Mr Levy, I don't know if you want to start. But obviously, we've got Shad Ogie out on loan. Yeah. Miles Judd is gone out on loan. Who else do you expect to be leaving the club in the January window? I can... Uh, well, it's hard to, to obviously know. So this is just purely from, from my perspective... I don't know that Jordan Thomas, uh, I can't remember if he signed for six months loan or, or for a whole season, but he's not He's not really getting a look in. So I would probably see his loan spell um, ending with us. Uh, the three senior players for me, I'd probably say Jamie Turley and Josh Wright, who haven't even made the match day squad, uh, will probably be out on either loan or permanent move somewhere. Um, I suspect that maybe James Dayton... Uh, might go out on loan as well. And the reason I say that is because he hasn't had much of a look in. And when he has played, he's played as the... He hasn't played in the attacking three. He's played in the midfield three, which doesn't really suit his game, as I think you've alluded to in the past. He's more of a 4-4-2 guy, being out on the wing and attacking full-backs, not in a 4-3-3. Um, 
Louis Dennis is. I put Louis Dennis down, but I don't necessarily see him moving this in this window. I think with Wright, Dayton, and Turley, I think those three alone. I think you're freeing up salary and space to bring in two or three good quality players that can potentially push us on, or at least solidify where we are now. Uh, I think it's going to be different. I think it's going to be difficult, but for me, Wright, Dayton, and Turley would be top of my list, and Thomas as well. I think um, in January things can get awfully silly and I think that people can start playing football manager and say well we should get rid of blah blah X, Y and Z and the real world doesn't work like that. I think it's going to be very tough to get rid of players who are out of contract in the summer. I think it will be minimal players leaving. I think out of the names that people have listed I think Dayton I don't think Dayton's going anywhere a, he's named on the sub bench, so he's getting appearances. Uh, no matter how small they are, he's getting appearances, and I imagine he'd be getting some kind of appearance fee on the back of that. And B, he's so injury-prone, and he's out of contract in the summer, I think he'd be crazy to go on loan for the sake of 10 games in the National League team and risk injuring his leg and putting a potential two-year deal that he'll get inevitably in the summer at a non-league club somewhere in line. So I don't think Dayton will go... Josh Wright, I don't think Josh Wright will leave Leighton Orient in the January window. I've got to be honest, I think Josh Wright won't leave. I think he may still have a little part to play. I can't see Josh Wright leaving, if I'm honest. Mm. Jordan Thomas is an interesting one because he's on loan and I don't know how much of his loan we're paying. I guess that will come down to money. If we're paying 0% of his wage, then I guess we'll keep him on the books. If we're paying a big percentage of his salary, I would expect to see him be sent back to Norwich. And I can't imagine Norwich are too happy with a youth prospect that is not being played and yeah. even on the squad. So I'd say it's probably more on Norwich's terms of what they want to do. I think the really interesting one here is JMD. I think JMD is a really interesting one because he's leads to quality. I don't think he will want to drop down to non-league knowing JMD. I can't see a League One club coming in for someone like JMD. And I wouldn't want us to give JMD on loan to someone around us in the table because it could come back to bite us in the bum. So JMD is a really interesting one, I think. If he's I, anything I, like, if it, I mean, he's from the, I think he's from the Brighton area. I think if he's anything like uh, former Orient player Dean Cox, he, if he wants to go back that way, I think the only team that would be around there are Crawley and I don't know if they need a player of his standing uh, in their side. I don't, I wouldn't want to be given players especially like the JMD, who we all know is dangerous on his day, to a club two places above us in the league table, three right. places above us in the league yeah. table. Doesn't seem like the wisest thing to do. JMD is an interesting one. So is Louis Dennis. Non-league seems to be a great level for him. The same that he was at Portsmouth two years ago, and the fans at Portsmouth liked, liked him for what they'd seen of him. I don't know if Louis Dennis would want to drop back into non-league, which I think is undoubtedly the best place for him to actually go. So I think there's a possibility Dennis could go in the summer. But then we talk about the club needing a left forward. Louis Dennis could probably play there yeah. if he had a chance there. So that's an interesting one. No idea on Louis. And Jamie Turley. I would actually be tempted to keep Jamie Turley because he can play centre-back. He can play right-back. He's got the experience and he's got the know-how. I'm, I'm, I'm in two minds about Jamie Turley. All, honest, although he made an absolute shocking, appalling tackle against Bristol Rovers. I wouldn't write Jamie Turley 
off just yet. But I don't think I don't think there'll be a mass exodus. I see people saying, you know, they'll think five or six players will leave and the club can just release them. It doesn't work like that. No, These players it's not all the You can't rip contracts off. The club's certainly not going to give anyone big payouts to leave now, given no. the financial situation of the year. So I think it's going to be really interesting. So I wouldn't expect too many players to leave. I think there's a few interesting conversations to be had with certain players. So I think given the way of the world at the moment, I think there'll probably be a few players that might be looking at getting permanent moves rather than loan moves to secure themselves for next year at least, given the, 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 the money situation that, that football finds itself in. And likewise as well, as Nigel Travis has said, um, you know, because of the way that the money being distributed from the Premier League, is some of it's loan money, so those clubs that are taking those loans will not be as uh, not be able to be as active in the transfer window as they perhaps would have liked to have been or against clubs who aren't taking those loans it, it means the pool of clubs that people can choose from is going to be even lower uh, with Jamie Turley how is he not getting in ahead of Tunji Akinola I know he was suspended but if he's a more senior player um, you know, we've got Tunji who plays at centre back. We, Tunji can play at right back. He's done pretty well there. Sam Ling plays at right back, and Jamie's not even been in the match day squad. I do think there is a good player in Jamie. He's susceptible to injury a fair bit, but I do like him. Uh, Louis Dennis again. He's been given opportunity, but never really taken it. Uh, you know, they talk about his, you know, him being a good player, but you know, the the, the mental side of the game. So maybe. Maybe a drop down to non-league would be a good thing for him. With JMD, again, on his day, he is a good player, but he doesn't have his day often enough. Um, and I think that players are going to now be looking to secure their futures as, as best as they possibly can, rather than wait till, till the summer. If someone can get a permanent move now, I think that potentially that they would be probably well advised to take an 18-month or, or two-and-a-half-year contract somewhere else and go and get get football somewhere else if they can because of the way as you quite rightly said the financial situation is um you know yeah i mean i think that's going to come down to whether or not we'll let those players go for nothing now yeah so obviously we're out of contract in the summer but it's whether someone goes we'll take jmd off your hands but we're not gonna give you any money but you can get rid of him now that that's when tough yeah. decisions have to be made but it'd be an interesting one to see if, if they are so that's players leaving so who would who would you like to see? What positions do you think the O's need to strengthen him? Good question. I think it's going to depend on who we release, but I think we certainly need someone else to uh, relieve the burden of of uh, of Danny Johnson up top. Um, I know we've got um, Liango isn't well suited to that left forward. I know they he's right footed playing on the left, and Connor's left footed playing on the right because they obviously do that cut in that. You know, Dean Cox used to do when he played on the, if you like, the wrong wing. Um, obviously, it's not suiting Lee Angle particularly well. So I think we'd obviously, if Ross is going to stick to this 4 4 3 formation, I think we need someone who is actually comfortable playing left forward. Um, I'd like to see a box to box midfielder. I think Usen and Hector do that uh, linchpin role. Well, over the last couple of games, we've seen good things from, from Usise, but certainly from Hector, that linchpin just in front of the defence role quite well. Um, Joby can't play week in, week out, 90 minutes. So I think we need 
someone who's a box-to-box midfielder, a cultured midfielder, someone probably in their sort of mid to late 20s, someone with a bit more experience under their belt, maybe someone that's fallen out of favour at a League One club that wants to get their career back on track, that has got a point to prove, um, and someone that can come in and help, you know, give that competition to that midfield space so that if Craig or Joby aren't having a uh, much luck in a game or they're a little bit out of sorts or whatever it may be, that we've got that player to come in and, and to do that job. Um, I think at centre-back, uh, I think we're OK. I'd like to maybe see another left-back come in, uh, potentially, um, because, you know, I'm not a fan of, of James Brophy at left-back um, and Joe Widdison for me, he's been sort of unspectacular. He's done his job well, but I think to give Joe some some competition in that space that isn't isn't James Brophy, for me, I think would probably be a good one. I think there's two areas that's screaming out for the first eleven by a mile. Left forward, a million percent. If you get a left forward in, I think you've got a really balanced, really strong League Two team. And I'm talking about a good left forward, someone who's done it at this level before who maybe is at a League One club and has completely been forgotten about. But I don't know where those... I don't have any names or know where any of those players lie. I can't think of one off the bat at all. But hopefully Steve Foster and Martin Lynn can. And I also think... I also think left-back is a, a vital position to strengthen. We've seen that when Joe Woodhouse is not fit or out of favour, Brophy drops to left-back, which then means Angle plays as a left-forward. I think if you add a left-forward and a left-back good strong players to that squad I think you've got a really good squad there I don't think I don't think you'll see another midfielder I think I think to get another midfielder in I think Josh Wright has to leave and maybe Hector has to go out on loan I don't think they'll bring in another centre midfielder with the books as they are I just can't see it there's too there's too many players there and I think while Joby's fit and playing well I don't think they'll bring in another centre midfield but I really think left back and left forward are the two areas that I really urge Martin and Ross to go for and really, really look into. I think the balance would be so much better. And we've seen the happy ball to Wilkinson is a really effective, great ball because those two players know exactly where to go for those balls and can play it. But from the opposing side, whether it's Akinola or Coulson, you never see that same reverse ball into Angle or Sotirio because they can't. That's not their game to know where to go for those balls. Mm. But I'd really like to see those positions come in. But I think something that we haven't spoken about, and maybe he's going under the radar, we've got a lot of players out of contract. And I think, more importantly than bringing in some new faces, I think there's a couple of players who is really is high down now to contracts. Danny Johnson is the obvious one. No doubt be getting attention from League One clubs. If you're Peterborough... I hate to mention them, but they're always looking at League Two top scorers in comp. If you're a League One club with ambition, you've got, you must be looking at Danny Johnson going, is worth a shout. Because Paul Marlin is a lot older than Danny Johnson. And if you're looking at someone with a scoring record, and dare I say it, Salford, someone with ambition, you're probably going, Danny Johnson isn't a bad shout. And each week he's getting more and more publicity. Yeah. So I think Danny Johnson is absolutely keyed up, tied down. I think Lawrence Vigaru is absolutely key to tie down. I don't think you can underestimate Vigaru's impact on the team since he's been in. Vigaru's an absolute key for me. You've got to tie down Happy. You've got to tie down Brophy. You've got to tie down Clay. You've got to get Hector on a long term. I mean, there's some really, really big deals to come. 
but you're yeah. going to have to pay decent wages to these players. Well, like I think, Bentner, I think some wrong. of these wages are actually, I think on, on the wages point, I think that players are going to have to have their expectations managed that there isn't the same money that there was a year, 18 months ago. And I think some of them, I think you're absolutely right, you know, getting the likes of uh, Craig Clay, Dan Happy, um, you know, on these longer term, and Danny Johnson on these longer term deals is, is fundamental for us. But I think they also have to be realistic that football's not in the financial state that it was previously. And I think these, you know, anyone coming in or going to a new club is going to probably have their agents obviously doing their best for them, but also having their expectations managed to the extent that you, you might not get as much as what you would have done pre-COVID, for example. Um, it's a very different world we're all operating in now. And clubs will pretty much take, you know, have the have the sort of cards in their favour, if you like, um, particularly at the lower league level, where, you know, guys have, you know, mortgages and, and bills just like the rest of us. It's a very sort of ordinary, not an ordinary wage, that's not the right way to say it, but they have a much, you know, they're not on the hundreds of thousands a week. So I, it's a very different world. I disagree with you massively I think the agent I there's no way Danny Johnson will sign an extended contract at Leighton Orient for anywhere less or for the same money that he's currently on there's not a chance same with Dan Happy they won't sign for what they're on that, that's just the way That that's what agents are for there's no way Dan Happy's agent is going to go and say you give us what he's on now and we'll give you another two years there's no way and if, if Dan Happy's agent is doing that then Dan Happy's agent isn't doing the job for Dan Happy mm. and the same with Danny Johnson I think the club are going to have to make a decision here now pretty pivotally going right do we are we serious about going up because if we are we're going to need to offer these players some big money because Vigaroo's you know let's be honest Vigaroo's a league one keeper Yeah. Danny Johnson's a league one striker Dan Happy's got potential to be probably a good league one defender maybe a championship defender Brophy solid in League Two, Clay solid in League Two. If you want these players, they're going to want more money because, like you said, with finances being the way they are, I think they're going to be trying to get as much as what they can in the current climate. I think it's it's a very it's a very interesting time to be a footballer and to do a football podcast. Yeah, but I think some of these players are going to struggle. I think some of these agents are probably going to come a cropper. Uh, at some point um, and I think it's going to be difficult for them it's a very interesting time it's a very interesting time for football some, some, some squad players will some squad players will mm. if, I, I mean I, you know you can't without sounding harsh you can't see the club breaking the bank to keep someone like Josh Coulson or Joe Widowson in but I think to keep your Danny Johnsons and to keep your Vigaroos and to keep your Happies you're going to have to pay a lot more than what they're currently on I don't think a lot. I no, I don't think a lot more. But they probably have to maybe offer them improved terms. I guess it depends what they're on and what the budget will allow. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the same for for lots of different clubs. And as I said earlier, not a lot of clubs are going to be as active as what they would have hoped to have been in if they've taken this loan. So, interesting fifteen minute debate, Mister. Very Michigan. much so. Very interesting. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. If it, it would be interesting to get views and to get what other people are thinking. So, if you've got any alternating views or if you agree with what I've said or what Paul said or highly disagree with what I've said or what Paul said let us know at Orient Outlook on Twitter or at Orient Outlook at Outlook.com Absolutely thanks very much indeed let's wrap this up then as we're now just at the one twenty hour 20 mark uh, Fancy oh, Football wow. Paul Baker is top of the Orient Outlook podcast Fancy Football League he's ahead of Pat Morgan by five points in second place Steve is doing well in 20th out of 296 players. 
Yeah, that's not bad at all. I would have taken that at this point in the season just around the playoff areas. Not too bad. Not too bad Lovely. at all. So let's move on to positives and negatives of the last fortnight. I can't remember who done positives in the last podcast, I oh, must God. be honest. Right, so positives in. We've got our wins and clean sheets against Southend and Stalford. Obviously, massive positive there. Second positive of the fortnight is those performances again, but they were over 90 minutes. So good 90-minute performances. And our last positive, six points from nine from the last three games. Got to be happy with that. Take that. Good form to go forward on and push on in 2021. The only negative we had was the defeat to Cambridge that feels like such a long time ago because so much has happened. So the only negative that we could come up with uh, was that one. So we move on then to the Hero of the Week. And this week it is... Danny Sender. Well we done, Danny Sender. I mean, we had we had a few candidates on the play kind of side for it, but we just feel Danny Sender probably deserves it. You know, he's had to lead the staff over the last week, and with those two performances that we've spoken about against Southend and Salford, we have to commend him for doing so. So well done to Mr. Sender. Yeah, absolutely. So that means that we just have next week's fixtures to run through. Uh, and it's only the one fixture coming up for the O's next week. A very difficult one as we make the long journey to Carlisle. Top of the table, Carlisle, on Saturday the 9th of January. Their top having beaten Walsall away 2-0 on Saturday. But they've played a game more than Newport in second place because their game was postponed. Carlisle's last five games, they've won three, drawn one and lost one. Uh, and that lost one was three games ago. So they're doing pretty well. They're obviously, uh, you know, top. So there'll be no mugs this season. That is such a long journey to make. That's a long, long drive. That's a very long drive. But, yeah. you know, one we can go there full of confidence on. Should be a good game, actually. They had a blinding game in Box Day, I think, Carlisle. They were 3-0 up against Bolton and they got pegged back 3-0. They seem to have a lot of goals in them uh, at home. So hopefully we can go there, attack them and get a result. So time before we finish first, another sponsorship reminder. So do not forget, for the best plastering and rendering prices around, visit AGF Plastering on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram for all your plastering and rendering needs. Yep, so that's it. Thanks very much indeed for joining us for episode number 230. It's been a quiet week, hasn't it? Uh, Quite a couple of weeks. We've played three games. We've chalked up two wins, one loss with two clean sheets against two teams in very different positions in the league. It's been a tough test, but the O's have acquitted themselves well. Yeah, the January transfer window is now open, like we've discussed. We'll see what transfer activity we get. Likely we'll see some players move on either permanently or on loan, according to Paul. According to me, there won't be many, with Ross looking to strengthen the squad with a push now as the playoffs do look like a realistic prospect. And there we say maybe even automatic places looking at the table as this podcast takes place. But we've only the one game coming up this week. The staff and players have a full, uninterrupted seven days to get ready for Carlisle, which is another tough test. But hopefully one of the boys can come through. Fingers crossed next Sunday we'll be talking about another O's win and hopefully some transfer activity. Yeah, if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe. Give our podcast a review. If you're listening on SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn and Stitcher, 
add us to your favourites and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as we upload them. We're on smart speakers, so listening to the podcast has got even easier. And if you've got an older relative, a loved one, or an Orient chum who you think would like the podcast, grab their phone, help them download it for them and pass on the pod. Yeah, don't forget to pass on the pod. There's lots of new speakers being given out to people, lots of Alexas, Echoes. This is the time to tell your loved ones and your family about the OOP. So we'll be back with episode 231 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need. We look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, have a great week, and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's. Everybody in the